will have the same amount of impressions, right? On on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, right? So let's say 5,000 impressions or something. We'll have a significantly higher click-through rate everywhere else and then lower on LinkedIn. So, so people will watch the video, they'll read the content on LinkedIn, but they don't want to click out, uh, which I find really interesting. And so we're going to do some more testing around that. Everybody, it is Jay Bear from Convince and Convert, joined as always by my special Texas friend. He is the executive strategist from Salesforce Marketing Cloud. He is Adam Brown. Adam, what is going on? Hi, this this new newfangled technology is just incredible. I am great, Jay. It's great to do this live. I mean, we always essentially do this live, but not without a net. And today we are performing without an audience. That's right. Yeah in the main ring without a net. Yeah, it's great. So if you're catching this on the podcast uh, down the road, uh, just to, to fill you in, Adam and I are streaming this uh, particular special episode live uh, on Facebook. We're going to talk about uh, six big trends in social media in 2019 so far, uh, based on the guests that we've had on the Amazing Social Pros podcast uh, this year to date, and a couple other trends that we've pulled out of our own work as strategists for great brands all around this country and in other countries uh, as as well, before we get into the show, I will take just a second to acknowledge our fantastic uh, sponsors, as I always do here on the Social Pros Podcast. Uh, I want to mention our good friends at Salesforce Marketing Cloud, Adam's organization. Uh, they have an incredible report that it takes them a while to put together because it's so robust and so comprehensive. This is the fifth edition, I believe that's right, the fifth edition of the State of Marketing Report where Salesforce surveyed some 4,100 marketers, which is a pretty big data set uh, worldwide, and talked about what do they care in 2019 and beyond, what, what, really, what really matters to them. So the impact of customer experience on marketing, the role of social inside organizations, how AI is critical uh, in social media and in marketing in 2019. That's certainly something we've talked about on the show so far this year. So I want you to download this report. If you haven't had a chance, uh, please download it. We'll put the link. Um, if you're following along on Facebook, we'll put the link in the comments as well. It is bit.ly slash J says. That's bit.ly slash J-A-Y-S-A-Y-S. Also this week on the show, uh, it is brought to you by our pals at Emma. Emma's an email marketing platform. It gives you all the tools you need to send campaigns that really connect with your subscribers. Emma absolutely puts their customers first. It's email marketing that works for you. You can go to myemma.com to learn more and request a demo for their team in Nashville. And the team is really it, right? If you, if you want some help kind of taking your email program to the next level, they will absolutely give you that kind of bespoke uh, assistance and really work with you uh, in an intimate, comprehensive way to, to make your email marketing better. It's not just self, self-serve and here's my credit card and hope for the best. They really do uh, help you, which is fantastic. So if you go to uh, myemma.com slash J is awesome. Uh, there's a very special offer for you there. Myemma.com slash J-A-Y-I-S-A-W-E-S-O-M-E. And as I always say, when Emma is the sponsor, Adam, I did not pick the URL because I would never sure. self, I would never self awesome myself. I believe I appreciate um, the, the team at Emma thinking that I merit a URL of that description. We have had a ton of, uh, of great guests already on the show uh, this season, and it, it, we really have. It's been, a, it's been a heck of a run. So I thought what we would do in this episode is kind of distill some of the themes that we've talked about uh, here on the Social Pros podcast and some of the other things that we have been seeing and doing in, in our own work 
uh, and, and just sort of talk about, you know, we're almost to mid-year. We're, we're certainly sneaking up on it. What are the things that, that have really been different or interesting or, or noteworthy uh, that we're seeing in 2019 uh, so far? Make sense? I love this idea, and I'm, I'm glad that we're, we're doing it kind of in this uh, kind of more round-robin round format. You, you're right. Uh, it's, uh, here we are on May 30th as we, uh, as we record this one live on Facebook. Um, we've, had, we've had some absolutely incredible, thought-provoking guests, uh, some that have come with really powerful data and, and analysis, others who have kind of bucked the trend and done some really interesting, innovative things using social media. And I think it's good for all of us as social media practitioners to try to kind of glean one or two things from, uh, from, from each of these guests. I know I do. And, and I know as we looked at, and as Jay and I kind of talked about the, the few uh, stories that we're going to tell today, I've taken more notes you know, as a, a co-host of the yeah. show, yeah. I think this six months, then in, in, in almost almost three and a half, four years that I've been doing the show, it's it's been it's been that good. Yeah, I mean, ain't that the truth, right? I mean, it's it's uh, not only is it an honor for us to do the show, but it, it makes us better, uh, no doubt. I mean, the ability to talk to these great guests every week and, and learn from them uh, is a, is a huge bonus of of doing this program. The first thing we wanted to talk about, um, I think, is one of yours, which is sort of the findings from um, some of the new research on social media from our friend Tom Webster from Edison Research, who had some pretty uh, pretty eye popping things to say about the state of social and and user behavior patterns when he was uh, a guest on the program just a few weeks ago. Tom Webster was such a great uh, guest, friend of the show. I know friend of, of yours, You've, you and, uh, and, and Convincing Avert have done a lot of work with Edison Research. But Tom is a senior vice president there and in charge of the Infinite Dial uh, research report that comes out every year from them. And Tom was kind enough to kind of give us a sneak peek in the Infinite Dial 2019 data. And, and some of the statistics, Jay, weren't, weren't surprising, but, but some of them were. I think it's so easy for us in, in social media to, to I think, uh, lament uh, the fact that we're not seeing, you know, the efficacy uh, in some of the channels that we used to and that we have to now use paid instead of organic to accomplish a lot of things. But overall, we are still seeing growth in social media. And I think some of the statistics uh, were from an aggregate standpoint, we saw a slight increase in the number of Americans mm -hmm. that are actually using social media from 77 yep. to 79%. That, that gets us to about 223 million people. So a quarter of a billion people in the United States alone that are using uh, social media. Not the kind of same trajectory that we've seen the past couple of years with a couple of percentage point increases, but still, this is a huge force to be well, I mean, at some point, At some point, you can't grow you know, at that rate of speed, because there's nobody to yeah. grow with, right? I mean, <laughs> there are some people who just refuse to use social. There are some people who don't have electricity, right? I mean, that's just, you know, it's not going to happen, right? It's the same thing that happens to stocks, right? You know, you, you, you a stock goes up and up and up because it's growing so quickly. And at some point, all growth slows. It's just, uh, it's just mathematics, right? And so I think we're sort of, we're sort of in that kind of, you know, reaching the, reaching the, as big as it's going to be with, you know, generally speaking, uh, category. I think one of the interesting things that Tom brought to the table was was that was the shifts in in particular channel usage, though, right? That yeah. we're seeing um, for the first time really a marked decrease in Facebook usage. But of course, Facebook being very very wise, you're seeing a, a corresponding increase in Instagram usage. So 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 they win they win either way. It's uh, it's extraordinary. Now it, you're exactly right. Facebook down uh, from about a percentage point from uh, 62 to 61 percent of Americans 
Instagram really with the largest uh, growth and the um, and now the number one uh, social channel with Americans 12 to 34 at 39% of the populace there. I don't think any of us are really surprised to see Twitter uh, declining. I think one of the things that we've been talking about at, at Salesforce and in the social studio team is where is the growth opportunity for Twitter? Where is the continued growth? As we, as we see social mature, mm. are the ways that people are using social changing? And I think in many instances, it's yes. And of course, this is a topic near and dear to your heart. You've written several books around it. And that is we're seeing kind of a pivot from using it for more kind of interactions and communications with your friends, your family, to more of a customer service, social customer care being a tremendous play. Commerce, I know something that we're yeah. gonna talk about a little bit yeah. more here in a little bit. So as we see the social channels kind of going after finding new audiences, a lot of that kind of has to revolve around finding new uses of the platforms themselves. Yeah, and I also feel like the use case for each platform is diverging, right? So, so as strategists, it, it wasn't that long ago where, where you might have sort of a, a social media strategy, right? And that social media strategy would in part and parcel kind of play out uh, in multiple places. Now, now I think we really are at the point because the usage patterns are so different that you, you really have to have a very specific Twitter strategy and a very specific Instagram strategy and a very specific LinkedIn and Snapchat strategy and Facebook strategy, which may or may not be, be correlated in any meaningful way. Right. And I think it's almost, um, it almost does the, 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 the consumer a disservice to think of these things in totality because they don't use them in a consistent way. And, and the same people are not using them. In fact, you mentioned Tom um, Webster, they're doing a, a, a webinar today actually uh, at Edison with some new research um, that, that goes deep into gender, age, and race uh, differences in social channel uh, usage is pretty fascinating stuff. Uh, I just got a sneak peek at it this morning and, and I don't want to divulge it because it's under embargo for another couple hours, but it's really interesting stuff. I'm going to write about it. It'll be on Convince and Convert next week. Uh, you're, you're just starting to see sort of balkanization of channels a little bit like, okay, if you're this kind of person, this is your thing. And if you're this kind of person, this is your thing, uh, which I guess that's um, a natural concept consequence of, uh, of, of maturation. Yeah. yeah and, and I think I like seeing that. I like seeing that we're, we're using different channels to target different things. And I think we're also recognizing we can't do the same thing on every single channel. I think yeah. the leading indicator for me was, you know, when we would go in and, and talk to customers about social studio and we do the demo of, of the product. And this is, this is true for a, for a sprinkler or a, you know, chorus sprink, uh, spread fast, anybody else. We maybe three or four years ago, Biggest question we'd always get from social media practitioners, I want to be able to post simultaneously the same post to Facebook, to Twitter, to Instagram, to Pinterest, et cetera. You know, and we all kind of knew, but in the back of our minds, that's not a good thing to do because yeah. you need to really use different platforms and channels for different things. I don't hear that, that query and that request as much anymore because people realize we're using different channels for different objectives. And even when we're trying to accomplish the same thing, we know our audience is slightly different. And that means data is now more and more important to social media practitioners. It's not just a creative, you know, we're going to throw a lot of things out and hopefully, you know, spray and pray. What's interesting now is, is that thinking of, of channels as uh, a unique place to deploy a, a particular strategy is absolutely showing itself perhaps most dramatically on Instagram. Our second topic this week uh, on our 2019 social trends to date 
live broadcast of the Social Pros podcast. Um, Griffin Thal from Pure Vita Bracelets is one of our guests on the show recently. And man, holy cow. Wow. Company. Like here's a guy, him and his buddy, like, hey, let's go sell like bracelets from South America. And like all of a sudden spins it up in like this multi-million dollar, incredibly successful business, uh, you know, driven almost entirely by Instagram uh, and, and Instagram's ability to now become a commerce powerhouse. And what I find interesting about this, Adam, is that you and I are old enough to remember Facebook has, has tried at least three times to really remember the whole f-commerce idea like at least three times to really become kind of an e-commerce player in a major significant way uh and and really has never done it massively successfully now instagram comes along and and somewhat surprisingly is has become a real driver of revenue and, and i think one of the things that's disrupting the balance of power in retail is a lot of companies now move to this direct-to-consumer model we, we laugh about this on the show almost every week where you know, the number of things that I have bought from an Instagram ad that I didn't know existed and certainly don't need continues to spiral up. Like I have, I have a, a corner of my home, which is like crap I bought on Instagram. Uh, you know, it's like, the, here's, here's my take. I mean, I'm not saying this is Griffin's it's thing. Like it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's this version of the late night TV. I would, boom, took the word right out of my mouth. That's exactly it, right? It's like the sham wow, but, uh, but on, but on Instagram. Uh, and it is, it is serious. I mean, I think we're, we're just scratching the surface. Uh, and, and I think it's gonna be fascinating to see where we're at just even in a year. I, I agree. And I'm going to ask you a, a question completely out of right field. And I started thinking about this last night when I, when I started knowing that we were going to talk about Instagram commerce. Are you surprised that we haven't seen, at least in the US, the largest retailer here in Amazon, get more involved with social and especially social commerce. I mean, they facilitate everything of that last, you know, not the last mile, but they facilitate everything from hitting the green button to getting it on your doorstep, you know, usually in, in some yeah. cases here in Austin the same day. Are you surprised they haven't kind of created APIs and things to make this easier for maybe not necessarily the, the largest retailers in the yeah. world, but someone, you know, kind of doing what Etsy's trying to do? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's fascinating. I, I mean, I feel like they, they, they really want everybody to be on their platform because they've got all the data gathering and algorithmic capabilities on amazon.com. So any behavior that happens outside of that core platform, I think hurts them a little bit. So, so my guess is that's the, that's the issue, right? That they would really prefer everybody to, to, and not like they have a traffic acquisition issue, certainly, but uh, that is an interesting thought that, that maybe they could, um, do some testing, if nothing else, with some of their uh, house brand products, right? Which continue to get more and more numerous on there. I, mean, I read an article, interestingly, I think it was in the New York Times or Times Magazine about, you know, how Amazon has now created dozens and dozens and dozens of brands. And they're just making brands all the time. Because they're like, okay, we got to sell like 14 million generic pillowcases. Let's create a brand. And they've just got graphic designers are just making brand logos of like, you know, house brands to, mm -hmm. to, to spin stuff up. So to me, the play would be to take some of those brands, right, that that don't really have any true brand equity, and then and then test um, social media commerce with them. Yeah, it's it's. I think watch this space for Instagram yeah. commerce. Uh, I think it'd be watch this space for kind of what what the the Amazons of the world are are, are doing. But without a doubt, um, as you uh, as, as as you flip past uh, your stories in uh, in Instagram, the ads and the targetedness of them is something that, that Facebook's tried, as you said, many times, but it seems like it's, it's taking hold on the, uh, on the IG side.
Yeah, if you didn't get a chance to listen to our episode with Griffin Thal from Pure Vita Bracelets from a few weeks yeah. ago, go into the back catalog or go to socialpros.com uh, and, uh, and and spend a few minutes listening to that show. It's it's awesome. It's a really, really good one. Um, speaking of Instagram doing new things and, and taking more money out of our pocket, uh, Adam, you want to talk about some of the other new platforms that, uh, I mean, that's funny, right? We think that, you know, we have kind of the, you know, we've, we've got the horses that can be ridden, right? We've got the big seven, uh, used to be big six, but now we're throwing WhatsApp in there in the US. So we got the big seven, but there's other platforms out there that are that are rising up as always and some of them are getting some traction they have i mean i tell you i have heard more about tiktok in the past four or five weeks yep. than any other social platform yep. um and downloaded it played around with it i think i'm maybe jay it's it's a it's a it's a a, a life stage type of thing no 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 it's mine you know as yeah, i sure as i get close to the half century mark here uh but it was it's interesting to see and it's interesting to see too that what TikTok is essentially doing is kind of what we saw from the vines of the world yeah. uh, and, and other planets. And it makes me scratch my head. Why the heck did, uh, did Twitter not, not stick, stick with that? Uh, because they, they had something there. Obviously, they knew something that we did not. Obviously, they knew that it was costing a lot of money. TikTok, I think, was very interesting to me as a new channel. Uh, Steemit. I don't know if you've heard of Steemit, but everybody's saying that's the next Reddit. Um, and... Uh, kind of curious to see uh, kind of where that goes. I know that Reddit is extreme becoming it's, we don't call it a social media platform per se, yeah. but it is certainly message boards, communities and forums all rolled into one and a force to be reckoned with. As uh. I sit down, I was sitting down with the, one of the world's largest uh, shoe manufacturers yesterday. And um, you know, they, they are very interested in what's being said on Reddit. They are actually allocating customer service representatives and marketing representatives to participate in conversations about their brand and competitors brands on Reddit. What, what do you think about Reddit? I, mean, I think it's, it, it, that's just it. I mean, it has, it has kind of correlated uh, and coalesced what has historically been a very far flung network of, of discussion boards and forums. Not that there aren't still uh, independently run and managed topically specific discussion boards and forums out there. Of course there are, but I think a lot of those conversations are, are now sort of being, being had on Reddit. So it's one place to log in. It's one place to go. It's one app on your phone. Instead of having to remember all the other discussion boards and forums that you might have uh, visited uh, in, in the past, uh, and and just, as I said in, in my book, Hug Your Haters, uh, I, I don't think there's any place more important because if if you are a brand of any size or consequence, where are your best customers going to talk about you? Yeah, your evangelists. In forums, in, in forums, whether it's Reddit or, or a freestanding forum is kind of immaterial, but, but forums is the place where the evangelists and the advocates spend time, period, yet... Uh, for most people, they're almost chronically under-resourced. So, so I completely agree that that we've got to be paying attention to that, and it, and it has to be staffed. I'm not saying you have to have a full full you know time person there, but it has to be somebody's job to be paying attention to what's uh, what's happening in in those uh, in those circumstances. And it's so interesting, Jay. And I know you you and your organization talk to a lot of companies, kind of like like I do and like like we do. And I either go into organizations where they are. They, they have their finger on the Reddit zeitgeist and they like, they know exactly what's being said and they're being, they're tracking that. And then others who, even, you know, even social media practitioners, Reddit, what? Yeah. Is this, so it's interesting to well, see. And I think partially because they don't think of it as websites in the in US from, well, I think partially they don't think of it as social, right? The same way that people don't think of YouTube as social, right? Well, or forums or communities. Yeah. And, and ultimately look, it's a place where here, 
we do a whole show on this and we should, we should, <laughs> my words, the next this whole idea of like what's content versus what's social. I don't give a shit. It doesn't matter. Right? Like if it's a place where you can interact with the public, it's social. So, so whether you want to, whether you want to staff it in the social media department or call it social media in your organization, I don't care. It doesn't matter. I'll help you figure it out if you want, or Adam can, it doesn't matter. But, but the reality is we have to stop creating these walls and say, oh, well, Twitter's this thing, but YouTube's a different thing. Well, YouTube comments are, are Twitter in a different platform. It's the same thing, right? And Reddit is, is, is also the same in a lot of ways. It's a place where you can interact with the public. And I think we're, we're, we're cutting the pie way too thin. Uh, and I think we'll start to see more conversations about that here on the show uh, for the balance of the year. Yeah, and I hope so. And I think as a social media practitioners, we have to recognize that you know, with, with our, with our tool at Salesforce Social Studio, you know, we are ingesting 260 million posts every day from 1 billion with a B sources. So you got Facebook, you got Twitter, you got, you know, Sinewebo, you got all these others, but vast majority of those 999 million, you know, sources are message boards, communities, forums, the comments on the bottom of mainstream news stories. And, and to say that a comment on the bottom of a mainstream news story is more or less important than a comment on a tweet is, is disingenuous. Yeah, no it's, question. To your point, it's, it's the same content. And if the right eyeballs are looking at that story or that post or that, or that tweet, again, our responsibility is, uh, is to, to, you know, listen to those, you know, try to find the proverbial needle in a haystack and respond accordingly, or at least use that information to make better business and, and yeah. marketing decisions. Listen and engage wherever, wherever yeah. it is. Uh, one of the reasons why that's so important is, is that your, your audience, your customers uh, have the ability to drive sentiment, of course, around your brand and your products, but, but also purchase intent and kinship and all the things, uh, loyalty, advocacy, all the things that, that, that help build brands. And, and one of the things that I've noticed on the show in the last six months, nine months, something like that, is that um, we talk about in almost every episode, um, unless we're talking to authors, but in almost every episode we do with, with social practitioners and, and managers and directors, uh, we're speaking at some point in the broadcast about user-generated content and influencers. Now that didn't used to be the case. Like we, we would uh, every once in a while talk about that, but now we talk about it almost every week because almost every single brand, even if it's a B2B brand, like we, we talked to, um, uh, Qualcomm recently, right? And, and Qualcomm, uh, you know, is, is a very technical brand and they're using a big influencer program. It, it has become uh, a, almost a must do for, for every brand. And I think that's a, a real meaningful change in just how we think about social, this idea that, hey, the, the best idea is not for us to create great content from the brand. The best idea is for the customers to create great content on behalf of the brand. And that's a pretty significant shift of the pendulum. It's a huge shift. And it's one that I, I think I embrace. And I, I have to think, is it the tail wagging the dog or the dog wagging the tail? Yeah. You know, but as we see, you know, the, the populace begin to pivot towards, you know, messages we talk about on the show almost every week on authenticity and genuineness, you know, the social even five, 10 years ago was, it was the voice of God, you know, coming down and here's, here's the message from the brand and you either thumbs up or thumbs down it. And that was our currency. It wasn't, you know, conversations or comments around that post. But today it's user-generated content. It's finding somebody who is a third party or perceived as a third party who has some sort of implied endorsement and you being able to amplify that because you know as a marketer that John Smith saying this about your product or service and that this new, you know, Oculus headset is the greatest thing since, since sliced bread 
has a lot more gravitas than the product marketer uh, of, of Oculus or Facebook saying that about that product. And obviously you can tell I've been reviewing and, and evaluating the, uh, the new Oculus uh, Quest uh, uh, why, virtual why reality headset. So in virtual reality, Adam, we could be, you know, have some sort not? of, yeah. I got to buy it first, but no, UGC is, is so, uh, is so important. And I think the challenges that we all have, and I think this is where you're seeing the social space, you know, from a tool and a functionality and even an agency standpoint is how do we secure rights to be able to use that content that our fans have, 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 have said about our product as, as marketing, as endorsement. And I think that's, that's an interesting legal space. It's an interesting technology space and it's an interesting, interesting pivot for, for social media in general. Yeah, it really is. And, and I think we're going to continue to see uh, more and more use of kind of both sides. I, I think of it as two sides of the same coin, right? So, so UGC sort of the unpaid volunteer influencers, if you will, yep. uh, and then influencer marketing, we're actually going to out and trying to specifically select people who have reach or, or some ability to, to drive behavior uh, and incentivize them in some way, whether it's access or, or cash or some other circumstances. Um, and I think we're going to keep seeing more and more chips being put on those numbers just because the organic uh, social approach is, is even when done well, waning in reach. And so the question then becomes, do I want to pay an influencer or I use the same budget and buy an ad? Because ultimately, that's the decision you're making, right? If you if you accept the premise that that organic social might work, but but isn't as controllable, you got two choices: you can either pay influencers to spread, or you can buy ads and spread it yourself. And and that's a a very interesting choice to make because it 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 presents a very different message to the consumer. I guess the the best possible situation would be one and then the other, right? Like, so, so do some influencer work and then take your best influencer content and then put paid behind that. Come over the top on that. Yeah. And I'm curious your perspective, Jay, you know, I think we've gone, we've seen kind of the waves of, of influencer marketing and we've seen the waves of, you know, someone like a Kim Kardashian, you know, getting paid, you know, a, a half a million dollars to send out three tweets for, for a brand or something like that. And everybody kind of resisting that, but obviously in some cases it is working. What is your perception of the average consumer and whether or not that endorsement and that influencer endorsement resonates as much as it did maybe 12, 16 months ago? Or is, does it depend? I, th- I think it depends, certainly, uh, on a couple of things. One, the research that Daniel and I did for Talk Triggers and some other projects we worked on indicate that influencers work better for younger cohorts. Okay. Um, that's not to say you wouldn't use it for older cohorts, but, but that's what the data show. I think the biggest pivot point on that is are you picking people who actually have influence? And I've written about this extensively on the Convince Convert blog, this idea that a lot of times when brands seek influencers, what they actually get is audience. And audience and influence is not the same thing, Mm. right? Audience is reach. Reach does not mean you can change behavior. Ultimately, if you're running an influencer program, what you need to do is change behavior, either either changing sentiment or, or saying click here or, or some other behavior that, that creates something that the brand desires, just buying reach um, through buying exposure uh, through influencers is not a very efficient way to spend your money typically, right? And so uh, where, where influencer marketing fails is, is in my estimation, two ways. Either it's the wrong people, 
right? They're just not topically pure enough to push your product. Like there's things that, that, that I am an influencer about and that I tell people about uh, because it's the work that I do and people think that I have some disproportionate knowledge in that area. Um, in software and marketing and tequila and barbecue and plaid suits. Like that's kind of the list, right? Um, Areas but, of expertise. Yeah. yeah the Venn, that, di- Venn diagram it. for Jay right there. But if somebody's like, Hey Jay, you know, can you send out some Instagram posts, uh, uh, you know, about uh, duvet covers? Like, yeah, I could, but I don't think that's really going to move the needle, right? You're going to, you, more people are going to see that post maybe than if you just did yourself, but, but it's not going to actually change any behavior. So I think that's the biggest problem is, 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 is confusing audience and influence. And then the second issue is, is brands um, trying to use influencers, but then also trying to maintain c- control. The one thing that influencers don't want is for you to say, send out this message right? Just, just take the thing that we're going to give you and then just post it as if it's your own, because that's not authentic and your audience can sniff it out. Uh, all influencers want to co-create with brands. And when they're dictated to, not only does the influencer get unhappy about that, but it doesn't work. Right. And I think, and I think to, to your first point, it's, this is not a new challenge. I mean, I can remember in the nineties uh, working at, 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 at Ketchum, uh, world's largest PR agency, and working on a little program for uh, age-related macular degeneration, you know, which is where you have to get yeah. your... Uh, and, and we got the spokesperson in Don Knotts, uh, rest in peace, uh, to be our spokesperson for kind of talking about this, this new treatment from a pharmaceutical company. And it was effective, A, because Don was, you know, of, you know, of age that, you know, our target audience yeah, very much liked course. and respected Barney Fife. And number two, he had, uh, he had uh, AMD, the, the actual oh, uh, condition. There you go. So check, check. And I yeah. think, and, and I remember that, and here we are, you know, you know, nearly 30 years later, but I remember it because of those two checks. And I think too oftentimes I see in social media, as you said, uh, you get, you get that one check for being just influential, but do you have topical or subtopical influence or yeah. perceived expertise May, yes or no. Yep, absolutely. And then when we talk about the, the sort of regular people, um, and I don't mean that as any sort of pejorative, I'm just saying people who are not, don't have enough reach to, to probably be considered as part of an official influencer program, where, where their impact, I think, gets, gets felt so often is in ratings and reviews, which I know is one of our fifth topic we want to talk about this week, is the, 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 the continued uh, rise of, of ratings and, and reviews, not only from a, a B2C standpoint, sort of a TripAdvisor, Google, Yelp, but, but also also B two B, right? And 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 really every every specific industry out there that you can ponder has some sort of ratings and reviews uh, platform. Ratings and reviews, I think, has grown. And I, I've always say when I talk to uh, to customers who are looking at trying to evaluate how they're going to manage ratings and reviews, is listen, it's just another aspect of user generated content. Yeah, right. You know, this is this is just UGC in a slightly different, a little bit more prescriptive structure because a review is typically going to have a one to five star type, you know, uh, structure. And then there's going to be a a paragraph or two of someone talking about the product. But what I like about it, and I think Jay, that was a perfect segue is that is for people who are experts that may not have the level of influence. And we've seen, there even been books about it, about people who are kind of your power reviewers on, on Amazon, 
and you know they've gamified it they've you know they put a little you know verified user and power reviewer icon next to their name and those people it's actually created a whole community and a sub community of, of its own but ratings and reviews so so important for anybody and it's not just your standard retail and your you know consumer goods type of organizations but it's everything also on the b2b side because if you are a you know a an, an it professional looking at, uh, at a technology or if you're an engineer looking at a particular you know construction uh piece of equipment those reviews uh, from people that are just like you are going to be that much more important we have to figure out much like we have to figure out how to do Instagram commerce and how to figure out with these new platforms, who in the organization is going to engage in this content, who's going to respond and how are we going to use this information to help us make better decisions. And I think that's, that's one of the ways that we as social media practitioners are growing in the organization that we're no longer just sitting, you know, in part of marketing or PR, but that there need to be social media practitioners across the organization doing slightly different things. Yeah, I mean, you didn't you didn't have to have a, a, a Reddit manager or a ratings and reviews manager box on your org chart uh, at one point, but now, uh, depending on who you are and what you're doing, you you may in fact have to have that. And I think that's one of the 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 parts that continues to evolve in in social and content and digital is just org chart, right? Is 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 how. What, what skills do we need on the team and how do we deploy them effectively? Because as consumers continue to change the way they interact with brands, we, we have to um, be able to, to meet, that, meet that call as well. And I think it's part of the evolution that at least I think you, you've probably seen as much as I have. And, and as we've talked to guests on the show for the, for the past couple of years that, you know, we used to be as social practitioners, usually a one or two person show and the average sized organization. And we had to wear a lot of different hats. Yeah. We had to go actually out there and shoot the video. We had to actually write the script. We actually had to, to do the media buy um, and, and actually, you know, publish the posts and do all that. And now we're getting much more specialized and where we have teams that do that. And a big question, at least around review, ratings reviews that I get is who, who should be doing that? Should we allocate a couple of our customer service representatives to be right. able to do that? Or is this more of a okay. marketing function or is this a product function? Again, there's so many different ways and so many different questions. And one of the great things about uh, this whole industry is how it continues to grow and get not just, not just specialties, but subspecialties. Well, and there's no right answer. There's just answers that might be more right for that particular circumstance, which is why we have a show, right? If we, if they're just like a, Hey, here's this social media playbook, follow it. There would be no need for the podcast and we wouldn't have done 375 episodes and counting. Uh, there would be kind of no, no, no point to that. Hey, speaking of ratings and reviews, if you haven't had a chance to rate or review the social pros podcast, it'd be a great time to do that and go to uh, wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, Google, and, uh, and leave us a rating and a review. That would be super cool. We would appreciate that. And by the way, if, our reviewing that segue that you just put in there, Jay, that'd be five star. Thank you. It's five star segue. Uh, we were talking about this idea of having um, different people in the organization uh, responsible for things that, that maybe um, we didn't used to have to be responsible for. And I think one of those is the last topic we want to talk about this week is, is LinkedIn and, and yeah. LinkedIn becoming, uh, becoming sort of a content powerhouse and, and really uh, saying, well, geez, why don't we just kind of become the, the business version of Facebook, I think is sort of their, their angle. Uh, LinkedIn just rolled out live video for, for many users. So we could have streamed this, uh, this show to LinkedIn, although I'm not certain that Zoom supports that today, but uh, I'm sure it will at some point. 
so you've got LinkedIn live video. You've got LinkedIn video in general as, uh, as something that, that is really taking off. You've got people uh, creating longer form written posts on LinkedIn. Of course, now you have the LinkedIn articles and, and what are essentially blog posts on LinkedIn. It really has become a repository for a tremendous amount of business content. Now, if you're a, a consumer facing brand, if you're selling you know, almond M&Ms or whatever, LinkedIn might not be your jam unless you're trying to do employee branding and, and recruiting, which you may very well be. But for if businesses that are trying to reach other businesses, the entire sphere of B2B, which is a hella big industry, uh, LinkedIn is a major place to be paying attention to. And I still see uh, more organizations um, not thinking of it as a place to do interesting and innovative content. LinkedIn is such a great story. And again, we've talked on the show about, you know, what we hope Microsoft will or won't do with it. But I mean, you look at the evolution of what Reid Hoffman kind of created and, and, and did with LinkedIn and, you know, LinkedIn started as just another social channel. Then it became, okay, the channel that you, that was your nine to five, you know, you, you played yeah. on Facebook before you got to work and after you got home, but LinkedIn was kind of where you, where you worked at home. Now, you know, I think we, we kind of went back and forth on that. Now we're beginning to realize that LinkedIn is no longer just the purview of the HR professional or the person in recruiting. Um, and, and this is, I think, the you know, next evolution of that. As we've said on the show, you know, one of the most powerful parts of LinkedIn is how much they, they know about their, their user. You know, yep. Facebook, without a doubt, knows a heck of a lot about, about consumers and consumer behavior and you as an individual. Uh, LinkedIn knows, you know, how much money you make and, and they know, you know, if you're looking for another job and other things, which, which is pretty significant. I love seeing the continued evolution of, of LinkedIn. I'm comfortable and they've found their niche and they found out kind of where they live and what their identity is. I'm still very curious to see what Microsoft ends up doing uh, with all this information, um, you know, whether it's on LinkedIn or they use that information in other, other services and products. One, one thing I'll tease out on the new Edison research that's gonna be uh, announced here in another hour or so is, uh, LinkedIn, of course, skews older, no, no surprise there. Um, but also amongst people who say that LinkedIn is, is their favorite or nearly favorite social network, it skews uh, much heavily uh, more than I thought towards males that, that like dudes like you and I are, are, uh, are very much kind of the core audience there uh, and, and females the same age as you and I less so. And, and that didn't, I just didn't see that coming. I, I didn't think there would be a, a gender difference there, but it's like eight points or something. It's like 57, 43 or something like that. So, so that, that, that was a bit of a surprise to me. I want to dig into the data a little bit more, ask Tom as well and see uh, what, what he thinks. Uh, I don't know why that is. Maybe that's why I, I want to talk about LinkedIn. Maybe to me, maybe, maybe to a hammer, everything looks like a nail, but uh, I was, uh, I, I, it was, it was interesting. No, that, that, that's fascinating. I thought as you were doing the, the lead up to that, that you were going to say the complete opposite. Because if I look at my, uh, my, my LinkedIn uh, feed wall, it over indexes, I think, female. And, and that could be uh, because, you know, I spent a lot of time in public relations, which over indexes uh, to female. A lot of yeah. you know, my friends and colleagues and people in yeah. the industry are there. But that, that's where really you're just your, your raw animal magnetism. Uh, doubtful. Doubtful. Like it could be uh, 
but I, I'm very interested uh, in that. And I am interested to see more content. I will tell you, and I don't know if it's correlation or causation or if it's the tag, tail yeah. wagging the dog, but I am spending more time on LinkedIn than I was a year ago. I'm still not spending as much time on LinkedIn as I did two or three years ago, but I have come back and I'm spending more time on LinkedIn, certainly than I am on, on, on Facebook, uh, kind of main, main Facebook platform. Yeah, and they're certainly ruling out more ad options as well, which is great. More uh, targeting capabilities, things that you can do to unlock the power of that platform from a paid standpoint. Anecdotally, this is not, um, uh, you know, this, this, don't take this as gospel, but in all the tests that we do at Convince and Convert for ourselves and our client clients, we, we find LinkedIn to be really effective at, at finding the right audience uh, for the things that we do, but it's... Um, disproportionately difficult to get a LinkedIn user to click to leave the platform to go elsewhere. Hmm. Um, substantially more which so. Is, which you almost had to do exclusively to do anything because you couldn't yeah. do it inside of the platform. Yeah, which is, I mean, so, so put another way, we'll, we'll have the same amount of impressions, right? On, on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, right? So let's say 5,000 impressions or something. We'll have a significantly higher click-through rate everywhere else and then lower on LinkedIn. So, so people will watch the video, they'll read the content on LinkedIn, but they don't want to click out, uh, which I find really interesting. And so we're going to do some more testing around that. And, uh, don't get into the, the empiricals, but anything about quality versus quantity? I mean, or about the same in terms of, you know, click, click outs to conversion. To conversion is about the same. About the same. About the same. Yeah. So, so the way we've been thinking about it now and we've tested it, we did three rounds of testing and came with the same conclusion every time. Um, what we've been thinking about LinkedIn now is like, look, if we, if we're okay with people consuming the information on LinkedIn and not necessarily taking an immediate action, right? So, listen to the podcast, watch the tease, whatever. Great. If we, if we need them to click to register for the webinar or whatever, then maybe not the thing. It doesn't pencil out quite, quite right. Right. It becomes a very expensive cost per click. Um, also we're not a software company, right? So, so for me, the value of you registering for a webinar is, is X, but if I'm Salesforce marketing cloud and I could sell you a lot of software, that value is probably why. So some of it's just the economics of my business that, that I, I, it doesn't make sense for me to pay too much for a click because I can't really monetize it in the back end in the same way that, that you guys could or Oracle or Emma or anybody else that we talk about here. No, good. Very good point. Very good yeah. point. Yeah. Man, this so, is fun. I, I like Last. this. I hope I hope our our listeners are are liking it and will like it uh, as well. What we need to do is have the listeners send me a list of topics that they want us to talk about the next time we do one of these live shows, and also where they want us to do it. Should we do it on Facebook? Should we do it on Instagram, IGTV? Should we do it on LinkedIn? Should we do it all those places? So what you can do, this is where you should pay attention. Uh, send me an email, j at jbear.com, J-A-Y at J-A-Y-B-A-E-R.com, j at jbear.com. Send me an email, tell me what topics you want us to talk about and where we should do the next live broadcast and, uh, and we'll, we'll make it happen. We'll figure out where we're going to schedule it when I get back from vacation uh, and we'll, uh, we'll do it again. And you come back tanned and uh, completely empty nested. Uh, well, not yet. I, my, my son does graduate on Saturday, uh, but he will be in the nest until he goes to college. So I'm, I'm sort of in that transition, right? Where I still own the nest or whatever, but uh, yeah, we'll You're see. You're picking up paint swatches for redoing his room, but 100%. you haven't, yes, you haven't so, yeah, yes. bought the paint yet. 
Absolutely. He begrudgingly took all of his uh, clothes he didn't want to uh, Goodwill today and uh, was not happy about that. Well, hey, this has been this has been fun, Jay. Uh, it's always great to do this uh, live. Thanks very much, Adam. Thanks to all of you for tuning in either live or uh, via the regular Social Pros podcast. Just a quick reminder, uh, we would love a rating or a review. Email me, jjbear.com as well. And every single episode dating back to the very beginning of this show, which I had to look up the other day for a social media examiner article, was uh, January 2nd, 2012 was the first episode. Holy um, so a couple of things have changed in social since then. Uh, so all the way back to that first show, go to socialpros.com and uh, every episode is there. The audio, the transcripts, the links, all those kind of things. Big thanks to our friends at uh, Salesforce Marketing Marketing. Uh, and this week, uh, Emma as well. And uh, we'll catch you next time here on what I hope is your favorite uh, podcast. And this week, a video cast. This has been Social Pros. Social Pros.